Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Corey After Show for Season 1, Episode 6. We've got a lot to discuss, and today we've got Shakir. We've got Mustafa Shakir, who plays Moses, as a special guest. So stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Corey After Show. We've got Lucretia. Hey guys, I'm Lucretia Lyons. You can always find me at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N anywhere on the internet since there is only one. That's right. And uh, I'm Phil Svitek. We're still missing Courtney Henderson, um, but I believe she will be back just in time for the season Mm -hmm. finale, which I think we have a special guest already slated for that episode. Something to look forward to. Great episode with Kurt Yeager last episode. If you haven't checked that out, definitely do so. And uh, in the meantime, we're going to get... Mustafa on the line um, in a couple, in a in a few, but in the meantime, why don't we start with his uh, character Moses? This is his character on the show for those of you who don't know, and obviously a big big role for him tonight. Yeah, yeah, we're finally starting to learn who he is. Yeah, which is really interesting because he's kind of been mysterious till now. Yeah. That's right, yeah. very mysterious, and obviously we know he's tied in with the broker, and I believe we have him on the line. Yeah. Hello, sir. Hey, how you doing, guys? Good, good. Uh, we can kill the music if uh, if you want in the background. There we go. Um, thank you for joining us. I know it's late um, for you, and you've got uh, uh, work in the morning, but uh, appreciate your time nonetheless. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, so why don't we kind of start with uh, you know how you, how you sort of got involved in the show and and um, and whatnot. You know, what was the what, tell us what the audition process was like. Um, Quarry was interesting. Um, I, I was a self-tape. Um, my daughter and I, we, we did the audition, <laughs> sent it in. Um, didn't think a bunch about it because I was doing, a, it was a, it was during pilot season, so it was a lot going on. And uh, then I got a call back, you know, that uh, they liked me. And then the rest is history, pretty much. How do you prepare for a role like this? Like, what was, what was the sort of brief that you got about your character and then, you know, as it kind of develops? Because obviously it's, everyone's roles over are very dark. Yeah, um, preparation. I don't know, man. You just a, a lot of it has to do with the atmosphere that they set up. You know, um, the clothes. It, it all adds to it. Um, I don't. I didn't. Yeah, the process was more about just feeling what was going on and letting it happen because he is kind of mysterious and his backstory wasn't super obvious. Um, as you know, Moses was added to the. Um, to the mix. He's not really in the Max Collins novels. So his, his character is, is, you know, new to even the creative. Got, got it. And, um, you know, one of the things I wanted to, obviously a great episode for you tonight, um, or technically Friday. Um, but we're talking about it today. Um, I want to talk about the curfew aspect of it Mm -hmm. because one of the, one of the things I love about the show is obviously it's historic, but, and, and yet it still plays so true of what's going on today. And that, that scene, um, obviously with Marcus and the police, I thought was so powerful. Um, yeah. you know, and, and kind of from your perspective, how did you approach that scene or what did it feel like for you as, as, as Mustafa, not necessarily Moses, the film? Um, I thought it was amazing. It's a, it's a great moment, um, for, for television just to see that. Um, because often the imagery is when you see a black man um, coming up against the, the police, it's a disempowered uh, uh, 
image. And so for him to stand up for a young black male at that moment in time on history and, you know, on television, I think it's just powerful overall. Um, I don't necessarily advocate <laughs> being aggressive with the cops, but um, it's, it's better that it, it ended peacefully, you know, even though there was frustration, if that makes any sense, you know? Yeah, and I know you mentioned your daughter. So as a father yourself, how would you personally react in that situation? Um, yeah, I mean, just like Moses did. Mm -hmm. That's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> you, you shouldn't be talking to my kids that way. And um, I'm going to ask you to keep, you know, get on your way pretty much, you know. Is, yeah. is Moses, um, obviously, with kind of Marcus, like, you know, we're seeing the lines blurred a lot in terms of work, but also, you know, I, I do think he's, you know, taking a liking to Marcus and, and almost um, becoming, you know, a father figure to him. Um, you know, it, would you say that's the case? And, and yeah. where, where did that shift start to happen? Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, I, he definitely sees himself in Marcus, you know, Um a part of what I do know about Moses is that he had a rough beginning. You know, he was in the South um, dealing with much of what Marcus is dealing with, probably a little bit more severely. So he sees himself in Marcus. And, you know, it's like even though he's on a mission, there's a, a certain level of Stockholm syndrome that exists as well. So he he's taken a liking to the entire family. And it would be, you know, um, hard for him not to empathize with them, you know, even though he's he's trying to get some money back. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Um, and I do want to ask you about, uh, Melba, right? Is that, is that her name? Like, what? Mm. why was, why was Moses so cold to her? Obviously he's kind of thinking about these various things, but I, I felt bad for her that she was getting sent out during curfew <laughs> to go back home. Yeah. <laughs> it's horrible. Um, I mean, Moses is a complicated character. I think after a long day, man, he just really wanted some peace, you know, and, um, he, he, he went about it kind of aggressively. I mean, I think there was a, the way I saw it, there was probably a little bit of guilt for what he had to do with that family, you know, um, being that they had gone through so much at that particular time. I'd be like, you have to have a bit of a conscience, That's some, you know. Mm -hmm. So funny enough, he probably took that out on Melba. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, as you say, with Moses, the backstory is pretty mysterious, and you said that uh, he had a rough time. Do you feel that he is a military man? Were you? Do you think that Moses was in Vietnam? Because they haven't really talked about it so much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think so. Hmm. I think, like, you know, he, like he's a musician, hmm. so that's that's like a bigger play in terms of his backstory. So I don't think that he was necessarily in the military, but um, not exempt from some of the hardships that were associated with the military and also just being black in the South at that particular time. I know that he had like some rough beginnings, sort of like a similar to like Malcolm X, like his dad was killed um, for racial reasons. Um, and so that sort of fueled some of his anger. Yeah. And as you said, he's a musician and maybe that's what the broker was playing on with him is, you know, as a musician, you want to do that for the rest of your life. And a lot of times that does take a lot of money. Do you think that Matt's more of his motivation since he doesn't seem to have too many familial ties? Um, I, you know, actually, the funny thing is, I think he has like a lot of um, ties that you don't mm -hmm. we haven't seen yet. Mm -hmm. You know, he seems like totally the man who has to drop off some money for several families. You know what I mean? To keep mm -hmm. them going, which is his name, Moses. Mm -hmm. Comes from is like he's the go-between uh, for the broker and the black community, um, which is where you get that that name from. But uh, 
music definitely is a huge part of it for him. And as you can see, it was also some frustrations, you know, like he's trying to get it going, but it's just not working out. And so that is um, part of the reason why he has to deal with the program to make some money and make ends meet. Um, but ultimately, if it was the perfect world, I think Moses would just like take his base and travel the world and play. Well, I think yeah. not not too unsimilar from Mac either. But speak, what, what's um, what's his viewpoint or stance on Mac? Because some of the remarks that Mac made in the um, in the <laughs> diner <laughs> quite yeah. off putting to say the least. Yeah, I don't think he likes him so much. You know, I mean, and you know, Mac is a hard character to like. He's you know, he's always brooding. You know, he's very <laughs> self involved. So. Um, at this particular point, uh, I don't, I don't think he loves them all that much. <laughs> we have a sweet message from Joshua Williams, the third who plays Marcus. He wants to tell you hi. Yeah. Hey man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, my home, that's my homeboy. He is in it. Hmm. Um, let me ask you this. It's one of the things that Lucretia and I speculated last episode of how Marcus would kind of develop in the sense that, um, you know, because this happened, uh, does he all of a sudden start to kind of form an opinion that uh, all white people are just evil um and especially now that moses sort of is more in his life that you know we had that great moment with between uh marcus and, and uh, mac but um you know i'm, I'm not quite sure I, th- I think moses might be winning <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I, and the thing is I think there's an awareness of what's going on but i don't think moses hates anybody he's sort of like a, a maverick and he understands, like, both sides of the law, which is why he's able to get along with it. Um, I mean, you know what I'm saying, relatively speaking. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he – it definitely feels like he's leaning toward that. You know, he sees a lot of struggle, but it's hard to tell. It's yeah. hard to tell, you know, if that – yeah, that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's just – again, it's one of the reasons why I love – sort of talking about the show is because you know the lines are so blurred and and uh all we're left with is always speculation and, and uh you know interpreting kind of what things mean and so it's it's obviously a very powerful thing especially yeah. you know as, you know as moses says to him like you know when did, when did you see martin luther king die and he says age nine so you're old enough to understand i mean that's yeah that's definitely powerful nine years old to, to understand what the world is really like yeah it's huge it's huge I really liked uh, how we had the contrast of Mac talking uh, with Marcus and talking about Martin Luther King and sort of helping him understand why his dad was shot and comparing it to that. That was really sweet, but there's only a level that Mac can understand because as a Vietnam vet, he has been discriminated against to an extent, but it's nothing like being a black man at that time. What? How did you feel about showing the comparing and contrasting while he's trying to understand um, how I felt about shit. Well, I mean, it's real. It's like one of those things. It's like you you can't sugarcoat it. You know, um, it is what it is. And I think it probably would be easier for him to to swallow because you know I am a black man. You know what I mean? Telling him about this, but um, yeah, man. Like it's yeah, it, it is what it is. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a hard reality to swallow, but nonetheless, one that you know you want you have to. Okay. Unfortunately, at nine years old. <laughs> um, and what you know, I know you can't give us specifics, but uh, what can we look forward to with Moses in uh, in the last two episodes? Um, you know, he he he's a good agent. He, you know, he he, he gets what he, needs, he gets what he needs done. Um, 
he's a complex dude, you know, that's the thing. I, I think you get to see just how much um, goes into doing what he does, like how things have to get turned off and on inside of the, the consciousness or in the psyche in order to um, achieve the ends and how at the end of the day, it really is just business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I know we've got to wrap you up in a few, but um, uh, what are um, what are some other projects you've got coming out that uh, you can tease for fans of your of yours? Um, I got some some cool stuff. I I, I did a, a a guest a guest star spot on Timeless. It's going to be on MC in, in uh, November fourteenth. Look out for that. It's pretty cool. I play a black Black Panther. Funny enough. <laughs> um, and. Um, I got double play. It's coming. I, I, we get to see the premiere at the end of January um, with uh, Ernest Dickerson. It's a really uh, cool movie that we shot in Curacao. I'm excited to you know to see how that turned out because I get to actually act. Like I have to do an accent, and I'm in a foreign locale. It's really like cool. Um, and I'm I'm just wrapping up the Deuce right now with um, James Franco and uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal. I saw one of those um, cuts, uh, episode four, and I'm pretty excited about it. It's um it's cool. It's a really cool piece. Excellent. Yeah. And where can people follow uh, follow you for all the updates to make sure that they can catch all these? Um. Yeah. Twitter. Twitter's good. Um. You know. Facebook. I, I do. Uh, Mustafa. I mean, effortless. Mustafa effortless is on Instagram and effortless one on Twitter. Effortless one is effortless. O n e. Excellent. And uh, any last questions from you, Lucretia, or the uh, the chat? Actually, uh, I don't think so. All right. It's pretty good in here. You know? um, well, thank you for joining us. Um, again, I, we understand that it's late for mm-hmm. you. Um, but, but again, really appreciate it, as I'm sure the fans uh, do too. And I'm, uh, they'll probably let us know in the comment section as well. So uh, at any time, uh, you know, in the future, when, once, once all these other projects hit, you know, come on back. Especially, like, you know, we have our sister network, Popcorn Talk Network. So when the movie comes out, we'd love to have you for that and talk there as well. Cool, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you guys. Um, hopefully, I was coherent enough at this hour. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. No, you gave some good stuff. We appreciate it. Thank cool, you so man. much. All right, cheers. Thank you. Uh, so there you have it. Yeah. Uh, very fun guy. Um, it's always it's always great to, to, to get to know these guys, especially when their uh, characters are so dark and just to know, yeah. like, no, they're regular people. I know, like, they're her is like, I play bad guys all the time, but I'm nice, right? <laughs> it's yeah. funny. There seems to be a pattern. The worse yeah. you are on TV, the more nicer you probably are in real life. Yeah. Let's go with that. Um, so, yeah, I think I think for the most part, we covered everything with Moses, unless there's any um, last-minute additions that you have. I think that was it. Yeah. All right. Um I can never read my writing. We have a rundown here, and I can never read my writing. So, Lucretia, what's the next you thing? You have Joni selling the house. Okay, and Joni's selling the house. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about yeah. that. Going behind, um, obviously, Max back, rightfully scared after this guy has an episode of PTSD where he's just, just basically gunning down the neighborhood <laughs> naked <laughs> and doesn't remember any of it. So um, is, is, is she um, right to kind of try to sell this house? Well, and especially being that she's more so trying to, like, take care of business as far as, like, selling the house, getting out of there, trying to get him out of it, trying to, you know, have money. There was a lot of factors in it that Joni's just being practical at this point. I was to say, I just go back and forth on her. I'm like, okay, this episode, you're practical, you love him, but you're a little scared because he is cray-cray. But, you know. 
you know, I, I, I can actually um, applaud her for today's yeah. efforts. You know, I think, you know, she's being realistic. Like, this house is probably way too big. Yeah. Um, also, it's not a bad idea to get out of the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Because um, everyone knows you live there and, and whatnot. So, uh, you know, and obviously, um, you know, one of the other things that she, she comes out of it, she does indeed know that he can't get the money from his father. And that, you know, uh, she may not know that he's tried multiple times and whatnot, but um, but I think at least, like, that's put to rest for her. Yeah, I feel it, she thinks this is the only option other than him continuing to be a murderer for hire. Yeah. Yes, which, yeah. again, I have to give her credit for, like, you know, because um, there's been times, like, you, you talked about Skylar yeah. would, from yeah. Breaking Bad would totally be in on it, and at least, like, she's still sane enough to be like, okay, no, like, I understand the position you're in. However, there are options to get out of it. Yeah, it's that very practical wife. Like, I'm with you, but we need to think about this big picture. And since I'm the sane one here, let, let's look at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, the, in yeah, the right way. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. So, so that's Joni. Uh, what else is on my list? Uh, Olsen. Olsen, yeah. Olsen. Okay, so we put... I'm finally... I, I like how we're progressing this um, forward. And I... I knew it would be a bad thing when uh, when the sister, when Cliff's sister basically said yes to him and they just started hanging out because the fact that, you know, he's he's with her is just a big bonus for him. But he's getting um, he's, he's getting the answers that he needs very easily. Yeah, great intel. And he's not even really having to work too hard for it. And he's getting all the benefits. This guy's like literally sitting pretty. Yeah. He, and, and and I did like um, I, I did like the, the the assessment of him is that he can't he can't be satisfied with an easy solution whatsoever, um, which also goes by the way like it just kind of makes it scary in terms of how detectives really think <laughs> because it's like well it's got a solution it may not be a great solution but whatever it's case closed who cares just get over it I don't like that mentality. Yeah, it is unfortunate, especially when the TV portrays, like, cops and detectives, that they're pretty much just looking to get it done. Like, whether it's Law and Order or Bones or just anything, they're like, that's sort of the mentality. And I just love Josh Randall from Scrubs, you know, a happier role he had. But, yeah, this is really interesting to see him kind of be a scumbag. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, uh, you know, big tip off with... um yeah, speaking of Kurt yeah. Yeager, right? Suggs. Yeah. We discover Suggs and I love the whole you know, I thought I love the realistic dialogue of uh which leg? The left leg or whatever they said and it was like, wait, is that the one that's cut off or is that the the one that's cut off? Okay, yeah, we got a match. <laughs> I love that like they're really thinking that there could be another guy with just one leg matching this description that that was so common back then. That's what I thought was funny. It was just when they were talking about which leg? Oh yeah, like that's the guy. Well, you know what? Well, I mean, it, it it probably was. And think about, like, how... Remember, the distance between the two towns was was huge. I forget yeah. the, the, the number of miles exactly, but they drove four hours. Four hours, yeah. Which, I get it. The cars were a little bit slower uh, back then. <laughs> but, you know, still quite a distance. Um, you know, so obviously that's... And now, now the biggest thing was... The, I, I want to hear these songs, by the way. <laughs> I want Moses to play the songs written by Cliff about Joni. Yeah, that would be fun because, yeah, it's like, oh, he wrote a lot of songs about her. It's like a lot like it's like that's interesting. It's like how well did they know each other? I'm kind of finding out about this because, yes, he kept that tape at work of them having sex. That's a little weird. But to write all these songs about her. 
here's the thing. It's it's one thing to write a song about someone, but it's like I don't know. Just let's say like you know the song would be she brightens my day. Mm. Like that can be yeah. about anything. Like this. What is this? Th- what, what's that song where you say the person's name? <laughs> Joni. Yeah. Like, you get what I'm saying, yeah. right? Like he explicitly used her name exactly. in songs yeah. rather than just being like she she lights up my day. Yeah, that's very specific. And it's like this dude. He was like John Cusack of the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Creepy standing out her window, probably. I would love if he used oh. a full name. <laughs> yes. Like, not even just Joni, just her entire full name, Joni Conway. Yeah, because, I mean, that almost seems like it. he did because his sister knows all about it. And it's like, yeah, you know, not Joni from work, but Joni Conway, uh, who's married and had a husband in Vietnam. I mean, he probably just went into detail because he had so many songs. Yeah. Oh, I... Well, no. I really want to know what these songs are. <laughs> Joni, I'm so glad you're cheating with me. Like, yes. please, like, write fan fiction in the comments. Like, what these songs are. <laughs> yes, we'll were. read them. I'll sing them. It won't be good, but, yeah. I'll bring a little, yeah. uh, I'll bring a little guitar. Yeah. It'll, it'll be the world's worst band. We'll be like Moses. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, but besides that, nothing, nothing more there. Yeah, I'm slowly mm. progressing. This is the slowest burn I've ever seen, but yeah. I like it. I, like I mean, it. it is only eight episodes, so it's not, you know, say like a 22 episode show where they're just literally building bits. We know it's coming to an end, but yeah. Well, the question yeah. is, is it going to be an explosive end or is it going to be like, oh, okay. It makes sense, but it's not. Um, so, uh, all right. What was my next thing? On Buddy. That? Buddy. <laughs> my favorite part. <laughs> Which part? Yeah. The boyfriend part or the, the bingo part? I love all it because Buddy is just such a fun character. I'm like, I like this guy. He's so entertaining and he's sort of like the bright spot to a show that can be pretty well depressing and, you know, full of crazy people. But he has this great relationship with his mom who seems to kind of know what he does for a living and everything's great. And then you have, you know, unfortunately, his romantic situation wasn't as great, but he kicked that guy's ass. He showed him how he felt. Oh. Yeah, you know, he's not the stereotypical uh, gay guy. Yeah, he's a badass. Yeah, yeah, he has no problem with it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, is he plotting his end game though? Like, it, you know, obviously he wants to get out of this, but um, in some sense, we've, we've seen him be crazy overall. And I think, like, is, is he just going to come to an end with this? Like, there's no easy way out for him, is there? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much, you know, like the Godfather. Once they are out, they pull you back in. And I feel that, you know, this is a situation just like with Mac and he sees it, you know, and Arthur before him. You're not getting out of this. It's going to end badly. Whether whether you die or you just literally have to go away and see no one you know forever. That's pretty much your only options when it comes to contract killing the mob, anything under that Rico statute. <laughs> then it's oh. also going to haunt him. You know, I mean, obviously right now for Mac, uh, Vietnam's the thing that's haunting him. But eventually, like, if if that, let's say, were to quiet down, I'm sure the killings that he's doing right now are going to haunt him. And so for Buddy, no matter, even if he finds peace somewhere, the guilt in his mind is going to be too much. Yeah, because Buddy is, you know, a very open and feeling person as opposed to Mac who's more closed off so to me the fact that Buddy was even doing this was interesting to me because he doesn't fit the personality type and you know he does seem to care about people and want you know good things but he's sort of in this position so obviously it haunts him and yeah like even if he were to leave it would still always be a part no matter how much you know much he drinks or 
drugs, it never goes away. Well, what I like, you know, especially about this episode, the fact that we see all these, let's say, morally corrupt people, um, including Mac, and yet because of how slow the burn has been, you you do start to side with all of them a little bit more. And, you know, the weird line that, that the brokers always said, like, we're making the world a better place. <laughs> In some way, I'm like... I guess you kind of are. Yeah, because he only kills bad people. It's sort of like the Dexter mentality of, you know, all these people that he's giving them to kill essentially had committed heinous crimes or as opposed to Cliff for Mac, he just slept with his wife. But as far as we know, that's all we've seen as someone who wasn't like, you know, a child molester or a serial killer or, you know, just a crappy human being. He just was, you know, adulterer. That's not that bad, but it was really the only one we can see. Well, you know, what, what what kind of elevates it tonight is obviously Eugene, mm. right? Because it, it, click, uh, it, it clicks with Mac, obviously, a lot more. Mm. But, um, but even, even the whole notion of introducing kind of history within the context of this fake world, right? We talked about the Munich Olympics and now kind of what's going on in Memphis. And, uh, you know, they're talking about what... Um, uh, who was the president then? Why am I blanking on this? 72, wasn't it? Uh, Nixon uh, or Ford? Yeah, Nixon. Nixon. Yeah. Watergate. I was yeah. like, I was like it's Nixon or Ford. <laughs> you know, so so we're getting this context, and I like how it sort of um, seeps into this fake world. And so with Eugene, you know, that's – there's not a question of is he an evil guy. Yeah. You know, this is the second episode that, that we've seen sort of the ramifications of all of this. And he's a terrible, terrible human being. Yeah. And so we want, we, we're starting to root for these guys and like, yeah, go kill Eugene. Well, I mean, there were how many seasons of Dexter where you're, the main protagonist is a serial killer killing crappy people. So, I mean, as an American audience, we love that, <laughs> you know, to root for the bad guy in a way. Or like Walter White, as we discussed earlier. It's like, because they're sort of ridding the world of crappy people and not quite a moral way but at the same time it's like would you go back in time and kill baby hitler that's always the question yeah yeah and, and in some weird way too um you know america's always been fascinated with westerns and I, I think obviously this is not quite a western but but the whole mentality of you got to take the law in your own hands and protect your own um i, I think especially the, the fact that everyone sort of has a nickname the broker Corey yeah. moses and um i do think um it's in some ways, it is like a Western. Yeah, and which I love Westerns, especially <laughs> when they're space Westerns. <laughs> but yeah, it's like I do love the 70s, too. So coming into this sort of, you know, setting is great as well. And because, you know, I wasn't alive at this time and neither were you. So, But I talked to people who were sort of asking them questions about, so this is accurate, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's always cool to hear that. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I, I like, I love the, that the broker meets him at Tommy Lee Park, um, and, and we're kind of explained the the symbolism of all of it, and uh, you know it's not lost on Maggie. Like, yeah. I know what you're doing, <laughs> but still, great sentiment nonetheless. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, it just goes to show the power of the broker. The fact that he calls him while he's at the record store, <laughs> right there. Yeah, he's just standing there. Oh, I'm back. <laughs> I love that. Just the. <laughs> the record store clerk it's like i don't know if you've ever been to dallas but that's just so good records or just any old record store if you've ever been to it because i'm sure every town has their own but it was just so nostalgic seeing that yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i loved it and and you can even see the shock on uh max face of like 
that's me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in the end, couldn't be more happier to uh, to take on this assignment. As he says, like, I, I had to make a move on this. <laughs> okay. Well, you did. Yeah, that's cool. And Joshua Williams III, Marcus again, uh, wants to ask us a question. Do you all think that Marcus' relationship will be opened up with Mac and Mo- Moses from what you've seen? Yeah. Will be opened up? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, I think I think the two of them... It's it's going to be interesting because again I, I do think there's Moses and there's Mac and which one is he going to go with um, and I liked seeing those two things develop because last episode Mac was torn by the fact that he let this happen and so this is his um, unspoken revenge to Marcus of just getting rid of this guy and also all the while prevented because the fact that he was going to leave a bomb on the bus yeah he prevented something obviously significant. Yeah, and, I mean, that's so dark. This person already beat the hell out of a kid, and then now he's going to blow them up just because of the color of their skin. And it is hard for Mac to relate, being that he is white, but at the same time, I liked his perspective on, you know, that could have been Marcus. I've got to stop this, because he is trying to care for this son because, you know, his father is dead, who was his best friend, so he's trying to build this fatherly relationship. But at the same time, you have Moses trying to do the same thing, because he's sort of getting to know this family, and, you know, as a black man he can certainly relate more to this child mm-hmm. yeah. yeah absolutely you know and, and so it'll be kind of interesting and, and obviously it's one of those things that you know mac can never tell but i just i just yeah. wish in some sense because think of how happy marcus would be in the most sick and twisted <laughs> yeah. ways to know that mac is the one that did this to eugene i know it's like i i would want to be like yeah that was me <laughs> i did that you're proud of me buddy but yeah. uh but definitely not in this situation. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously this, this is, well, first off, it's not Max MO. Yeah. He's not even going to go home and tell Joni, let alone Marcus. Yeah. She'll probably figure it out when she sees, but uh, yeah, I don't see the, either one of them saying anything to Marcus unless, you know, he needs to know. Yeah. yeah. And right now I, I can't yeah. imagine a scenario where he would actually need to no. know. Um, absolutely. And, and, um, but there's the watchful eye. Um, what was her name? Uh, it, it's the same girl from the motel, correct? Yeah, I think they call her Mary Kay because she looks right. like a Mary Kay lady. <laughs> yeah. I was going to call her yeah. Mary Jane, but yeah. yes. Um, yeah, and she's she's right there. And so obviously, um, you know, I think. do you think this is the brokers kind of keeping tabs on him or is it just her own volition? There's a part of me that does feel that she is one of the brokers people and possibly keeping tabs on him. But at the same time, it's just, you know, they're all sort of his kids and they can be that jealous streak of this is his new guy that he's hanging out with. I want to know what this guy's up with. So I sort of see both things could be possible with her. Yeah. Yeah. And what was interesting, the fact that she was holding the gun at per- not quite like what I would call the ready position, mm. but about to be ready. Let's just say. Yeah. She had her hand in the holster as they would say where I'm from. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what was the intent if, if he didn't carry it out or if for some reason he messed it up, we got to kill Eugene at at all costs? Yeah, I think that's the thing is she was ready to clean up his mess like she had before. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, luckily he mm. he cleaned up things like nobody's <laughs> yeah. business. Yeah, that was so awesome just to like hit it in the right spot and the gas tank just explode. And then there was already him planting the bomb, so it was even more of an explosion, Yeah. That and also, yeah. like, uh, the way his 
there was joy on his face. And then <laughs> yeah. I think, I don't know if he expected the, I mean, that was a big explosion. Yeah. I don't know how big he expected it to be, but that was huge. And then he's just the slow-mo of him getting blown away. <laughs> that was a very cool shot. Yeah, he should have definitely stepped back a few steps. Maybe he'd have been fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's hard um, to judge. Yeah. Um, is he a, is he long? He he's not a sniper type of guy, is he? No, I don't see he's him close range. Yeah, because I mean, we don't ever see him with a sniper gun. And as a rule, people who've been snipers or army rangers, they typically do carry the same weaponry, you know, throughout their life, and have a little bit more marksmanship. He's pretty good with the gun, but yeah, more of a close range shooter. I mean, he, There's my he, he had no problem with his fist <laughs> yeah, tonight. Yeah, he just got in there, and that, that was that. Um. But the scene that we definitely have to talk about is uh, the broker at the end. He he gets the call, and he says the client. And then you're kind of left wondering, well, is the client there or is it not? Because that tight shot, right? And they play it so well. And then finally they reveal it to us with, with the wider shot that there, in fact, is no client. It's just him and the booze. So what does that mean? <laughs> what in the world does that mean, Lucretia? I know. I was sort of like, do what now <laughs> with this? It's like, where is he going with this? Uh, you're just sitting there with the booze. And that if I were Mac, that's exactly what I would be doing myself, too. After that, it's like, got to take a load off. But maybe that's exactly what it was, is taking a load off, and he was just using this as an excuse. Yeah. Um, fair enough. Well, no. I, guess, I guess the real question is, like, did the broker just make up this mm. assignment? just because and he be you know i mean in some sense if this is just the broker doing it because he really felt that this person was a bad person and kudos to the broker yeah you know because obviously i don't know i maybe there is a client but based on what happened yeah. there is no client yeah so um it's just the broker gets more and more mysterious every single episode yeah, and I really like how he's become sort of a funny guy and seems to really enjoy himself. I know that sounds terrible, but it is almost entertaining to see him, you know, really enjoy his little puppetry. And I feel like he gives Mac people that he knows Mac will want to kill, whether it be like the adulterer Cliff who slept with his wife, ruined his, you know, perfect idea of her, or uh, Suggs, and now Eugene. It's like, yeah, all these people he's definitely okay with killing. And, you know, where does that end, though? Because you're going to run out of people Mac doesn't like. <laughs> uh, well, I, I think, you know, uh, the broker's going to, you know, mm. he's the, being the puppeteer that he is, he's going to figure out a way to manipulate him to, to make him dislike these people. I don't know. Um, I think, I, I, I doubt, I mean, the sad part is, I don't think we'll ever find out the truth about the broker, to be yeah. honest. Like, even if this went on for 50 seasons, I still don't think we'd find out who the broker is. He's much like the Joker. We don't know his backstory, but it's interesting. Yeah. 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 We can only speculate. Um, I do want to hear from you at home uh, your thoughts on, on the broker, because I think that's, you know, uh, there's obviously a mystery to Moses. There's a mystery to Mac. But the broker himself <laughs> is the most mysterious person I've ever met on this show. Um, so I'm very curious. Any um, stray observations about this episode? To me, it, it just keeps getting better. Like, mm. the more we peel back the onion, the more of these layers we uncover about all these characters. Like I say, we, we got back to Buddy and learning more about him and how he wants out. And just, it's interesting to start to find out, you know, maybe with Moses and with Buddy, we're going to figure out how they got to that point. Because, you know, we don't think they're military men as opposed to Mac and Arthur were. So that's what I'm really curious to see. I think this 
show is very torturous because this this would be a perfect binge show. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that we're doing it on an episode-by-episode <laughs> basis is one of the most torturous things I've ever been through in a while. Um, but I mean that sincerely and in, in the best of intentions. Mm. Uh, so we've got, like, two more episodes. So why don't we head into predictions for the last two? Yeah. And now, you're after Buzz TV. Predictions. What are we predicting? I feel that definitely in this next episode, we may find out about, you know, Buddy and Moses' backstory with the broker just because they seem to touch a little bit into their characters more in this one. So I feel that, you know, maybe we'll take a little bit outside of Mac because we know so much about him already and get to know them since, you know, the series is wrapping up for the season. Yeah, and uh, we still ultimately have, I, I don't think we've answered the flashback yet. Yeah. Remember, we open up that season, and um, that's why I hate those types of things, especially when I'm watching on a per-episode basis. Like, I I don't need to start there, because then (laughs) by the time we get the episode, when it actually happens, I'll have no recollection of that little moment. Yeah, it's like, wasn't it season two of Breaking Bad, where that's how it starts out, and you're like, that's what that was? Like, sometimes you're almost angry by the end, because you're like, okay, I had come up with all these ideas, and that was it, you (laughs) know? Yeah. Well, at least uh, uh, like yeah. Breaking Bad used yeah. to keep going to it yeah. every single episode. At least this was just kind of it, it was thrown in there, and then we, you know, we're gonna get to it eventually. So we'll mm. see. Um, I don't think Joni's gonna sell the house. To be honest, yeah, I don't see them leaving Memphis, you know, and selling the house. You know, it takes a while, especially you know back in those days when they didn't have the internet and <laughs> to sell a house. Yeah, especially if there's not, you know, I mean, honestly, like. The, the putting a sign in front like you know for sale at that time is probably the biggest advertisement you could have given it in yeah fact that, like with a word of mouth thing not gonna work yeah you might get an ad in the paper that's it yeah yeah but it's nah. that costs money and they don't have money that's why they're selling the house yeah absolutely well um and we'll see i'm, I'm curious to see what the next assignment for mac becomes um, and this the money eventually someone's got to go find this money. It's got to be somewhere. Yeah, I think it'll be Marcus who either knows where the money is or finds it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we've speculated on that before. Hmm. So, I'm, but I'm in agreement. I think I think you know. Um, I think Ar- Arthur told him the contingency plan yeah. of like, hey, if something were to happen to me, do this. Yeah, you got to be the man in the house. Yeah, and I think you know um, we'll see kind of. But may- maybe there's something more to Marcus that uh, you know he's testing Moses. Maybe he's testing Mac. And ultimately, you know, whoever sort of wins there, he'll sort of reveal his knowledge. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Could be completely made up and not actually ever happen. But that's what I got. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for joining us yet again. Uh, We always appreciate it. Let us know your guys' comments. Um, Again, thank you to uh, Mustafa Shakir. Uh, Last week we had Kurt Yeager. And uh, hopefully for the last two episodes... We have uh, two more guests. Oh. At the very least, one is, as of now, confirmed. But, again, things change, so I uh, won't reveal just yet who it is and when. Uh, in the meantime, where can people follow you and kind of interact with you, Lucretia? Since I'm Lucretia Lyon, you guys can always find me at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N, anywhere on the Internet, since there is only one. And thanks so much, Joshua Williams III, who plays Marcus, for chatting with us today. Yeah. Marcus, feel yeah. free to call in next episode. That's what we're gonna do. If, yeah. If uh, if if you're free next weekend, call in. We'll uh, we'll dial you in. Yeah, we'll Love Skype to... with you too. Yeah. Um, and uh, you do um, 
Uh, you do Young and the, Young and the Restless here, among other shows. Um, Ash vs. Evil Dead. Dead yeah. And um, what's the popcorn talk show? It's a, it's a horror movie type oh, show. Oh, yeah. For the month of October, we do Monster Movie Mashup. So Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, we're on Popcorn Talk. Uh, this week, we're discussing Dracula versus Frankenstein. So there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. So if you're interested yeah. in that, Lucretia uh, yeah. um, runs the gamut yeah. of shows. <laughs> Um, Literally and, everything. Yeah. And by the way, if you're a fan of uh, Showtime Shameless, definitely check that out. I do the after show, so um, it's it's ramping Ooh. up too. So lots of great TV um, here at AfterBuzz TV. We try to talk about as many of the great shows as we can. Um, but until then, bye. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.